0: Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast version, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can also find information about my talk show appearances and any new book projects at MarlenePardo.com or go to Amazon and look up my author profile as Marlene pardo I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and also listen to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for Scary Storytelling, Nightshade Diary for Classic Horror and Adventure Stories, and of course, Stories of the Supernatural for Interviews with different guests as we talk about the mysteries of the unexplained. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy theories, and just about anything that is plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing well, kind of. I was talking to the guests that we're going to have on it. Even though you know, there's a little bit delayed in the release of the show. Um, we've we here in South Florida. They just gave out a, a, a notice that there's the Hurricane Isaias is going out there. <laughs> I'm telling you, never a dull moment. Never a dull moment uh, off the coast of Florida, and of course. It's still tracking this way. They don't know if it's actually going to skim off the east east uh, coast of Florida and then curb up maybe into the Carolinas or if it's actually going to make any type of landfall. Uh, it looks like it might come in, if it does, maybe a Category 1. But, you know, like I, I, I've endured Category 4s. and And a Category 1 is bad enough but let me tell you something um especially with gusts of winds especially like me that you know you have animals and stuff like that it's okay already you know i'm thinking where are we going to put the animals the cages everything um everybody laughs because they always ask me marlene what do you do with the chickens believe it or not since my house is elevated um i have uh I have lattice underneath on the on the outs on the on the skirting of the house, so nothing goes in there. But I open it up, and they all run under the house. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what chickens do—they go under the house, where they will not get plucked and end up in my neighbor's yard, or maybe a mile down the road. And uh, yeah, I've got a, a fallback plan for my free-range chickens because um, I don't have anything really to keep them safe in that many of them uh if, if we start getting that much wind but yeah I, I was saying I'm, sometimes I'm so caught up with everything that today I went shopping and I noticed the water the you know the, the all the water bottles it was like I walked up in the shelves are empty it's like okay Marlene you're not paying attention to the weather sure enough I went by the canned foods that, that was like everything like you know when you find like one little can over here and over there it was like yeah sure enough i hadn't paid attention to the weather reports for two days the next thing you know is we've got they as a matter of fact they issued the warnings like maybe a couple of hours ago but yeah that's what my uh weekend looks like it's going to be like uh luckily i don't flood where i'm at but um you got to make sure i've 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 had experience you got to make sure that certain things that you have especially on because we have that wrap around porch that either you bring them down or you strap them down if not they will go flying they become projectiles so i was saying never 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 a dull moment but anyway let's get to the good part um the good part is who i have as a guest today and uh this person is and i know you guys ask about this all the time is an expert in bigfoot and his name is w.j sheehan and you've heard him on coast to coast am and the sasquatch chronicles uh He's an author of Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods, uh, Sightings and Encounter books. And he brings your podcast meant to chill the spine and stir your curiosity. Yes, we love that, don't we? And he teams up with his brother for some fantastic cryptid chemistry. Uh, Quote, these guys are like click and clack. The brothers on the NPR show Car Talk meet Bigfoot. They're very entertaining, informative, and funny. So I think, I don't know if I have click or clack. I'm happy to have one of them here and he's going to talk to us about stories and uh but but help me to welcome him how are you doing today bill
1: Maureen, i'm doing fantastic and uh Stay safe down there, uh, whether it be with the COVID or the hurricane. I know it was like
0: uh. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's why I was saying. He's like, well, okay, well, you know, that's like one of those Hey, do you remember twenty twenty? It's like, Oh please, I don't wanna remember twenty twenty. <laughs> At least the way it's <laughs> gonna
1: to... <laughs> Yeah, twenty twenty is gonna be one for the record oh, book.
0: My, it's like we're only halfway through this, like I was like But yeah, it's it's one of those like never a dull moment. Uh, you know, right. some, some 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 years are very uh, boring, as in they just float on by. But this one's not. That's not been that so far. But um, let me ask you something, Bill. How did you get interested in this this field of of the bigfoot or the sasquatch?
1: Well, uh, you know, it, it, first of all, who doesn't like a cr- good creepy story? Oh, of course. And uh, you know, monsters, uh, mayhem, ghost schools uh UFOs i mean it's all grist for the mill uh and i've had a lot of experiences i i i told you i think when we first spoke uh i've had angelic encounters i've had numerous UFO encounters uh i've never sighted a bigfoot uh however i had uh an interest in in this creature you know this monster and uh one thing led to another and i believe everything happens for a reason because i had uh written uh a couple of books non bigfoot related uh and you know I work in a huge hospital mm-hmm. and uh we had a new nurse come to the unit and uh he and I developed a little bit of a friendship a work friendship and one thing led to another in our conversations he knew I was a writer And uh, I was expressing to him uh, my desire to change the covers on a couple of my books. Uh, You know, I mean, you work with what you have until something better comes along. And so one thing led to another, and his wife had expertise in all kinds of things, including graphic arts, many years under her belt. And uh, one night I found myself at their uh, dining table uh, discussing uh, uh, my desire to change to cover art. And uh, I said to her, you know, I have, uh, uh, I'm wanting to start a book on Bigfoot. Uh, you think you could help me out with that? And she said, yeah. And so one thing led to another Uh, And now I have, you know, eight books on uh, Amazon, Bigfoot, Terror, in the Wood Sightings and Encounters. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I mean, I'm in my 60s, Marlene. Uh, These two young whippersnappers are telling me, you know, eventually you're gonna wanna do a podcast and you're gonna have to do this. You're gonna wanna do audio books. And I was like, hey, listen, man, (laughs) I write, you know, really, I have no knowledge of what they're talking about or how to get anything done. Right. But lo and behold, the door is opened. And of course, now I have uh, six of the books on audible, okay. and I just I just finished a series of three books called The Exorcists. Okay. Uh one is called The Exorcist: Truth and Lies. The other one I named Diabolica, and okay. the last of the three is called Full Moon. So I've got all these irons in the fire, you know, and. Um, Always uh, podcasting, always interviewing, and you cannot believe uh, the amount of accounts uh, that are coming through to me uh, via both the book or the books and the podcast. The people I talk to are incredible and extremely credible. I may add.
2: Yes, yes.
1: So uh, you you know, I put on the inside the cover of my book. When I wrote the first one, if you've seen something, say something. Mm-hmm. And I was inviting people to come in, uh, and and tell me their accounts that I hadn't spoken to before. Uh, and now, of course, with the podcast and having uh, a link, woods dot com, they could just contact me there. And I regularly get you know emails from people, uh, and then of course I ask them to call me if they have something to say or if uh, I, I want to hear more about what what it is they encountered or saw. Right. And so there's this vast, ne- I actually have like a network of international detectives working for me now. <laughs> and well, they're yeah. my audience. They're my audience.
0: Sure, sure, because and, you know and, what, people, it's almost like people want to relate to somebody that's they think is not going to make fun of me. You
1: that's know? right. That's right. I, Marlene, I was talking to a fellow the other night about uh, uh, a Bigfoot encounter he had 40 years ago. Yes. And uh, extremely credible uh, individual. We spent about an hour and a half on the telephone uh, talking about everything under the sun. I get an education from the people I talk to because many of them, like myself, They don't do what I do, and I don't do what they do. And so there's this sharing, this camaraderie. And it's funny because you talk about uh, 2020 going down in the record books. Mm -hmm. But, you know, years ago, and even way before my time, before the internet, before uh everything else that people think w- has been around for a thousand years uh, uh, yes. now. People remembered time frames by major events. Yes. You know like uh the hurricane of 1930, mm-hmm. uh the earthquake in 24, you know uh yes. when my father died in 55. Yes. You know, there was a, there was a year attached to an event, and to them it was a marker for what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so that that rocking chair on the porch conversation with the, uh, a cup of sweet tea in your hand, uh, people would chit chat and kick around what happened to them and what the story was, and that story would continue through the years uh uh and in some cases it was a bigfoot account account or uh uh the landing of a ufo or uh some type of uh, uh angelic visitation when aunt marge died uh, you know there's all these stories but they were all wrapped around a uh, a history that is passed down you know people we seem to have lost that today
0: Right, and, and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't meant to be shared. It wasn't because you were going to put it out. It was like just amongst the family of friends. And uh, I, I tell everybody, I remember when I was growing up, you know, uh, usually after dinner, you know, when it would you know, cool down, uh, we would sit outside and, you know, we we had like a shade tree and, you know, then there was a night jasmine bush so you could smell it. And my oh, family yeah. would sit out there and basically they would talk about Hey you know things that were go- like just just talk exactly like what you described and the conversation could drift to different things or things that came up or did you hear about so- and so and this happened and you know things like that and um, I, I want to say in some cases life was a lot slower for <laughs> people actually uh-huh. did that right uh, but yes I absolutely know what you mean as far as sharing that that oral tradition. Not because you thought it was, it's just because, or, or a conversation would come up and then there was, hey, do you remember when that person said that they saw or that when that happened or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And
1: then,
0: of course, if you're a kid, you're here listening to all of this and then you're the next ones that pass on the story.
1: Yeah, now and another thing that I do, Marlene, and I, I bet a dollar to a donut, you probably do the same i'm the type of person where i don't hide too much from people in other words i will meet you and uh at somewhere during our conversation i'll tell you yeah well i'm an author i do a podcast on bigfoot i want to hit you right in the nose and try to open up or stimulate you to possibly share with me something you've experienced and I cannot tell you how many times I have done that and somebody shared with me, well, you know, Bill, no, I don't know. Do tell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that just, that just happened with me at the hospital the other night uh... there's a new security guard there they're always kind of like rolling around this is a when i say the hospital Maureen. this is a gigantic facility forty five hundred employees Wow. huge square footage of buildings and a college campus so there was the security guard and later at night the hallway was pretty much empty he was sitting at a security post and I had seen him, you know, i see seen him around, you know, say, hey, how are you, walking in and out. Well, this night I stopped to talk to him, I had five minutes, and I did what I just told you. Uh, you know, how you doing, he says to me, I says, ah, I'm okay, you know, what, what do you do, you know, we're talking, I says, well, I have a podcast on Bigfoot, and um, I do some writing, and I work here, and, oh, you believe in Bigfoot? I said, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. He says, hold on a minute. I want to show you something. So here we go. So the security, <laughs> the security guard pulls out his iPhone, turns it towards me, and says, check this out. That's my brother's hand, and that's a Bigfoot track. His brother was hunting on the uh, Appalachian Trail in western Pennsylvania, and came across a beautiful Bigfoot track, and he took a picture of it with his hand laying next to it. He was taking the picture of his own hand for size comparison.
2: Right. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, but I asked him if he would send it to me so I could post it on, the, uh, on my uh, website. A couple of days went by. I didn't get anything. I ran into him again. I said, hey, what about the picture? He said, uh, my brother doesn't want it on the Internet and, and i was like to... i was like you gotta be kidding me his pig face isn't there his name isn't there i know i know he just doesn't want it there wow. but this is kind of odd stuff that goes on you yes. know uh i played my cards he spoke to me which is something that happens and i was like wow here we go again uh but i couldn't retrieve uh, what he had shown me because his brother didn't want to put it up now why who the heck knows right yeah but people are funny critters man yes. they uh
0: and you'd be surprised I'm sure there's you've heard stories from people that they've never told anybody it's just because you're a sympathetic ear but sometimes they keep these stories and they never tell anybody and what I mean nobody family wives whatever they don't tell anybody because they're afraid well, they're be yep. looked at like the funny guy
1: yeah, well, I was on the phone with this guy the other night, as I told you, for about an hour and a half. His his sighting, his encounter was 40 years ago. Okay. And during that lengthy conversation, he had told me that there was a number of times when he shared the story with certain individuals. Uh, and they uh, jerked him around about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. he had told a few people, and really to a person, uh, everybody, you know, thought he was fully you-know-what. Right. And he said to me, you know what? I figured I'd call you, you know, you sound like a regular guy, you and your brother, and uh, I've read some of your books, and I said, you know what, I'm going to call him, I'm going to tell him about it, and then I asked him to call me, because, you know, you could tell me about something in an email, but I want to uh, speak to you, I want to interview you, I want to know everything. Right. And because the details, Marlene, the details. Yes, yes. everybody when you get into the details like a good detective you start to uncover similarities and a a crumb trail uh that is very similar to the crumb trail that bill told me or marlene told me and it's in this uh it's in this like interrogation that uh the evidence unfolds and you realize like wow the same thing is being seen here is over there, or well, that's very similar yes. to what so-and-so told me. And none of these people know each other, by the right, way. Right,
0: right, yes, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Or that you can offer them a gate, and you, and you tell them, well, guess what? I heard, some, I have somebody else that told me something similar. And you can almost see, like, they sigh, like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. like a relief, you know, it's yeah. like a
1: relief to them. Yes. Uh, because, you know, uh, there's a comfort zone in speaking to certain people. Uh, you know, somebody who's like-minded, uh, you know, somebody who plays guitar well, mm-hmm. likes to have a conversation with somebody who, who also embraces playing the guitar. Yes. You know, if you're having a glass of wine or you're sitting around, you don't really know anybody, and uh, all of a sudden I say, well, you know, I play a little guitar. Oh, really? Now, you know, the evening has become a little better for that individual because they don't know anybody in the room, you know? Yes, And exactly. the, the Bigfoot, the paranormal, is the same way. I mean, you can't believe the ridicule that I take uh, uh, opening my mouth about the subject matter that I speak about, which we'll be speaking about tonight. We are speaking about it. Yeah, yes. Uh, but I don't, I don't let it bother me. Because I'm a big SOB, and if somebody <laughs> wants to really take it up with me, they're not going to do it. You know, see, you could poke a little fun, you could ridicule and this and that, but I stand my ground. I don't back down for any of them. And, uh, you know, you could laugh, you could cajole, you could chuckle, but uh, when I tell you something, I mean it, and uh, and that's that, you know, so right, that's kind of... Go ahead no no
0: what I'm saying is that um and, and you know what and also there's some people that in front of other people they'll they'll like oh yeah 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 but then off the record they they will actually admit to their own experiences but they don't want anybody else to know about it
1: right and you're right on the side Uh When it's uh, one-on-one, mano-a-mano, the story changes. Uh You know, uh, well, you know, actually, (laughs) no, I don't know. Tell me. You know, and uh, that is exactly why I bring the subject matter up, because, look, this is a part of my life. Uh, I'm not, uh, you don't write uh, eight books on uh, Bigfoot and three books on The Exorcist, if you don't think there's something to this right. uh i mean i guess you could i could be like uh one of these uh uh thriller writers that uh, the next navy seal episode or something you know <laughs> and uh the entire thing is fabricated uh but uh i'm not so <laughs> well, you know, you know it, it,
0: it, it 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 there's a lot of people um I used to belong to MUFON and I used to go to some meetings at, out here and we would have people that belong to, especially like law enforcement or the military, and they would have um, experiences Experience. and they said, you know what? We keep quiet about this This, this could be a career killer. you know, and, uh-huh. they, and they just keep it because they said, even though it's not supposed to affect your potential, let's say for promotions, you don't want to be that guy. So right. a lot of them kind of have to wait till they're retired or they're not there anymore before they actually open up and talk about some other experiences, whatever it might have been. But they yeah. never want to be labeled somehow like that, that that's going to follow you around.
1: Well, you deal. look at the uh, look at all the pilots uh, uh, that don't want to talk about the UFO encounter kind of because they're afraid they're going to lose their ability to fly the plane. Sure. sure. So uh, I don't blame them. Yeah, well, look, if you're knocking down a quarter of a million dollars a year and you've been doing it for 10 years, uh, I don't think you want to lose that tomorrow, you know?
0: Well, this is the thing, even and this is the, the where people say, you know, we should have, could have. Yeah, your boss should not do that. But that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's what they actually yeah. end up doing that sometimes is, you know. Yeah. And I've heard of that, that a lot of guys, it's like, yeah you know what yeah. or they they'll have a boss or a friend and say man shut up don't don't, don't talk about that anymore mm-hmm. or you know and, and you know and it kind of follows you around years will have passed and it kind of attaches that you were the guy that that happened to it you said you had that experience so i know a lot of uh, people depending on what it is just say look forget it i'm never going to talk to anybody about this because i need to well, earn look, a living
1: on our podcast uh You know, we kick around a lot of data, we investigate a lot of stories, we look at a lot of pictures, Uh, I read a lot of accounts, Uh, and then uh, my brother and I kick it around. You know, what do you make of this? What do you think of these pictures? And look, it's a subjective thing, am I right? Uh, You know, but I'll tell you this, uh, to harken back to something we were just mentioning uh, five minutes ago. When you start to see the same things developing from uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, to Oregon, and then in uh, Louisiana and Vermont, there's got to be some type of connection there, because you're talking like the four corners of North America, and uh, people from all walks of life uh, having similar experiences. Uh, their descriptions, the things they say, they hear, what they feel, yes. uh, how they feel mentally and physically. Uh, there's, uh, it, it's too... It's, I don't even want to use the word coincidental, mm-hmm. but it rings true to me that this type of event, uh, th- it has to be credible, and I'm not the kind of person where I'm going to knock everybody down as uh, being a BS artist that talks to me. Because to me, they have no axe to grind. I'm not paying them. Uh, And unless everybody and their brother is trying to trip up W.J. Sheehan uh, for kicks, (laughs) uh, which I don't think they are, uh, why would you even mention it? Exactly. And And the fact is, when I'm talking to these people, Uh, As I said earlier, they know things. uh, For instance, when uh, I was uh, dealing with a guy in uh, Idaho uh, probably six months ago now, I can't even keep track of the time. This guy was with the conservation department. He was with the sheriff's department. And when he was uh, a young man, he was a tracker. Uh, Not a tracker. He was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, he used to take uh, pack parties or pack Mm -hmm. trips, into the Rockies on horseback. Okay. Uh, Three, five, and seven-day trips on horseback. And uh, look, I'm never going to do that. This guy was an encyclopedia of the outdoors regionally, and the animals, what they do, what they don't do, things that had occurred, you you and I will never know uh, the information that this guy had unless he was to share it with you. Right, so exactly. why, why would he be involved in all of this and know all of this and then suddenly throw at me some jive about uh, a Bigfoot coming into their camp?
0: Right, exactly. It just
1: doesn't make sense. Exactly. You know, I don't know if you've ever... I talk about this all the time, and I was talking about it tonight because I was sharing a story that was incredible that one of my listeners pointed out to me. But it reminded me of Teddy Roosevelt's book, The Wilderness Hunter. And Teddy Roosevelt, of course, everybody knows who he is. Who he is. And he had the Bauman encounter in his book, The Wilderness Hunter. Now, the Bauman encounter is about uh, was told to him by a trapper he knew, And the Wilderness Hunter is cover-to-cover factual data about hunting trips, what they ate, where they stayed, uh, based on where he had been around North America. And he includes in the book Bauman's tale about his partner getting killed by a Bigfoot and Bauman's own uh, uh, seeing of the creature having fired rounds at it. And you say to yourself, why would Teddy Roosevelt exactly. or why would the guy whose book I was talking about tonight on my own podcast, uh, why would they be telling you a factual account about their life and then suddenly slip in Bigfoot?
0: Exactly.
1: It just, it just doesn't make sense, you know, unless it had happened in the same context uh, as the rest of what they're sharing and it was just something else to share that was relative to this whole uh, account.
0: Well, you, you, it makes you think that in and of itself there would be enough adventure in what he's tell talking about like you said is his hunting trips like you don't need it's not for lack of excitement or adventure that you would need to stick in a cryptid or a bigfoot in there to actually set it up. It's like it, especially during the times that that um, that book was written. It's like okay, it was like okay. This is really dull. So let's let's put something in there to make it more interesting. That's yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and that, you know, my just, brother and
1: I, my brother and I talk about a lot of subject matter. And there's so many of these accounts. Really, if you dig into them, uh, I think it was Davy Crockett uh, had an encounter with a Bigfoot. He didn't call it a Bigfoot. Uh, But the description certainly was a freaking Sasquatch. You and I know what it is. Uh, There was no name for it at that point in time that he had. Uh, But, you know, this is a guy that fought at the Alamo and whatnot. You know, he was like, he was a a no-nonsense man's man. Uh, You know, probably if you would have told him he was a liar about the Bigfoot, he would have shot you. (laughs) You you know, so I, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so, though. You know, the, the fellow who I was talking about tonight, uh, uh, the book was called The Long Walk. Uh, and uh, it was referred to me by one of my listeners. This guy was in a Russian prisoner of war camp or labor camp in Siberia. Okay. And him and eight other men escaped And with nothing but the clothes on their back and a a small hatchet and a knife, they went 3,000 miles on foot through Siberia, the Gobi Desert, uh, over the Himalayas, and had a Yeti sighting uh, just as they were finishing getting through the Himalayas uh, going into northern India. And four of the eight guys died on their way.
0: I can imagine. That sounds like a very treacherous trip.
1: It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's a story of human determination, you know, to be free and to live. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And in that process, four of the eight men died. And four of them actually made it. But, you know, they all wanted to make it, obviously. Right. And, uh, but these guys had a Yeti sighting. And here you have basically a diary account of this escape and journey and actually how he got imprisoned and everything. And uh, within there is this fantastic Yeti account that I had never heard about in my life. And here it was in this man's book.
0: And and again, you ask yourself, why would he need to insert this into the story? It sounds like just based on the whole experience from, like you said, from the point that he got in prison to maybe how they got out, how they trekked across Siberia. I mean, talk about the most unforgiving terrain and the Gobi oh God. Desert. It's like, okay, why would you need to stick a Bigfoot in here or a Yeti? It's like, you don't yeah, need that. You know,
1: and uh, he, he spoke in the account. Uh, of course, he was older, having written it, than he was when he experienced it. He didn't know uh in the account what they were seeing uh he knew what it wasn't but he didn't know what they were and uh he put in the book uh after he penned it uh that he later had read some information about the uh hunt for the abominable snowman
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he even commented that the people who were writing the account about the abominable snowman being about five feet tall, he must have read that somewhere. And he said that uh, I need to correct them because what we saw was seven to eight feet tall. Okay. So he was giving a correction to whomever, whomever's work he had read uh, relative to what a, an abominable snowman looked like that it was much taller than what he had read.
0: Right. In other so words he, that if you think well if he was going along in the same vein of what he had read, he would have reported something similar. And yeah, instead he pointing yeah, out, yeah. Oh, No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No, but he was trying to give a very accurate account. Uh all the way along in the book, uh as to what happened and when it happened and it's a gut-wrenching story god it sounds I mean like it. just uh, horrific hardships and despair and death and uh starving to death and you know thirst in the gobi desert i mean these guys had nothing you know what i mean they and yeah
0: and, and that's what i'm saying that the uh that sighting of the yeti is like it you know you would think this person is this person is not about to make this up and insert this in this story where if you think about it everything here is so i mean i haven't read the book i i never even you know it's it's got to be so riveting like who needs to put a cryptid into the story with just the facts alone of what he went through let me ask you something bill do you and i know do you think especially of all the stories that you heard Is Bigfoot friendly or unfriendly towards
1: humans? Say it again. uh, Our connection cut out for a second there. Do you
0: think that that Sasquatch or Bigfoot, are they friendly or unfriendly towards humans?
1: Well, uh, my... my Uh, And it is that the Sasquatch creature is like a human being... And I'm not saying they're part human or anything. I'm not even remotely suggesting they have anything to do with the human race. What I am suggesting is that they are like a horse or a dog or a human being in that you probably have some nice ones. Mm -hmm. You probably have some very aggressive ones. You probably have some vicious ones. Uh, You probably have some very docile ones. Uh, You probably have some that will, without, at the drop of a pin, will charge you. And you have another Sasquatch who sees you and runs the other way. So I don't think there's much difference between them and a lot of other critters or human beings. That they, uh, depending on which one you meet, And on any given day, uh, I say, if you see Sasquatch and got away, you've had a good day. Right. Because my opinion is, and you know I end my podcast with saying, always carry more gun than you think you're going to (laughs) need. I say that at the end of every podcast. And a lot of people kid with me about it, you know, and they come back to me and they tell me what kind of guns they own. And then they say, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. But I don't say carry a gun to shoot the thing as a trophy. Mm -hmm. I say, you're not going to have any defense against this thing if it comes at
0: you. Right. Uh, You're not going to outrun it. And, you know, as far as muscle is concerned, you're fighting it you're not going to come out a winner on that one
1: either. Well, listen, I, I know of people who have put a bullet in a grizzly bear and it kept running at them. Yeah. So, you know, and we, and, and most people know uh, that do any kind of hunting. Uh, you could shoot an elk uh, with a 30-odd-six round, and that can, thing, depending where the bullet hits it, uh, you could, that thing can run a long ways before it hits the ground. And, uh, you know, if you pop around into uh, a Sasquatch, I mean, I have an account uh, where uh, some pheasant hunters had a Sasquatch leap up out of a briar patch that their dog was working. And this thing was running through a briar patch that this guy said would put you in an emergency room if you tried to do it. Okay. He put two rounds of eight shot in his shotgun, at close range, 20, 25 yards, right on this thing, and it didn't even flinch. Wow. Now, number eight shot is not uh, a bullet. It's not a long rifle shot. But at 20, 25 yards, you get whacked with two shells out of a shotgun of eight shot, and you don't even flinch? I mean, that's... I don't know what... You know, I had a conversation with somebody uh, some time ago, and we were discussing how could such a thing be? And then the thought developed in my mind one day, well, let's look at something like an elephant. Uh, elephant hunters developed a gun that was called the elephant gun. Right. Larger bore, bigger bullet, to penetrate, I guess, the hide. Of the elephant. So I thought to myself, well, what if there were aspects or areas of a Sasquatch body uh, that were, uh, let's just say, more leathery or thicker. Yeah. Where maybe they don't want to get hit with the number eight shot, but it doesn't tear them open and make them bleed profusely like it would or kill me like it would. I mean, it's just a suggestion. I have no right, way right, of proving yeah. any of this. I'm just talking about what I hear.
0: Right. Well, you know, maybe the thickness of their fur, or something that just it doesn't penetrate the same way. That let's face it, we, you're, we're we skin right there, you know, unless we're wearing some type of body armor. But in and of our bodies are kind of defenseless. Just our bodies. It's not the same thing. Well,
1: the human body, uh, there's not much. I mean. If, if you get shot as a human being, all you can hope that is it passes through some meat and goes out and didn't catch any artery, arterial blood flow or an organ or something, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. other, other
1: than that, uh, you know.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what, uh, you know. But again, you mentioned short of a body being brought in to be dissected of uh, a Sasquatch, we really don't know what the particulars are as far as their anatomy is concerned. You know, what is it exactly? Are they, how similar or dissimilar are they to human bodies? Exactly, as far as what you're talking about is how they're affected by getting shot Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or any type of weapon. But yeah, you hear, you know, because you hear some, I've heard some people that, you know, oh, the Bigfoot, you know, I I have telepathic moments with them, but they're friendly. They they never want to entertain any idea that they could be aggressive okay yeah well i
1: i I mean that's just nonsense Uh, to me that is just utter nonsense yeah i i have Uh, a
0: feeling that that uh other certain circumstances you know and i tell them i think they're like other animals that if they're sick if they're old if maybe they haven't eaten you know just like other animals when they need to eat they'll go and hunt or go to places that they normally would because hunger drives them there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, or
1: And if, what what animal, Marlene, is not going to avoid an easy meal in a pinch?
0: Of course, of course. Or if they're defending their young again. That, That's right. Same thing's going to happen. You're going to get mm-hmm. more aggressive uh, behavior for most animals. And look,
1: how many times do people see a bear with cubs mm-hmm. and they don't get attacked? But then you hear it over and over again that so many attacks occur around a sow with her cubs. Yes. because So the two statements are equally true. Sometimes there's no attack. Sometimes there is an attack. You know, and that's, that's just the bottom line. That's just the way it is. We're not in their heads. We don't know what's going on. But the best thing... Is to avoid them. Am I am I correct?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You see
1: a mother bear with with cubs, go the other way. Let me tell and you. And do not delay.
0: I would, I mean, well, uh, and I mean, you hear it all the time about people that are foolish. You know, and when they go camping, they leave food stuff out. They basically draw them to their camp. Uh, they just or they get too close because they're taking a picture and they're thinking, oh, it's the bear, then until it just, like, goes after you. Um, Yeah, well.
1: Yeah. Now, I read, I was uh, listening to a man give an account of a bear attack uh, just last week. Uh, As stupid as this sounds, this is what this man does. He's a hunter up in the Pacific Northwest, and he goes big game hunting with a long barrel handgun with a scope on it. I mean, he had, like, a 44 caliber Smith & Wesson with, like, a 14-inch scope on top of it, uh, a huge barrel on this gun, and uh, he goes hunting for large animals with this uh, handgun that shoots a big shell. So he's carrying a big, one of these, like, industrial-sized bear spray containers. It looks like a fire extinguisher. He sees this bear... And uh, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. And all of a sudden, she starts to charge. He said the bear was running 35 miles an hour. Yeah. 35 miles an hour, he's saying this bear was running. Good luck
0: at outrunning that.
1: Coming at him, and by the time it got close enough where he could discharge the bear spray, the bear ran right through the spray and mauled him. (laughs) Then she left him. He realized none of his organs were damaged. He was cut up, bitten, stomped on, and he got up to try to get away. Fifteen minutes into his walk, trying to get back to his vehicle, she comes at him from another direction and hits him again.
2: Oh, she came after him?
1: Yeah, and my brother said, you know what the bear was doing, Bill? That bear went to chew her cubs up a tree to make sure they were safe. And then she came back to deal with him a second time. Wow. And this guy lived. I mean, you see pictures of him. He was bitten and cut up something bad. Bones sticking out of his arm. uh, Cut up his head. Bites on him. uh, Stitches all over the place. And, uh... But, so... Why do you think I say always carry more gun than you think you're going to need? A can of bear spray isn't going to cut it.
0: No, especially how close does that thing have to be? Also, well, for you I, to just ch- I guess
1: if you don't hit it just right, this yeah. bear came right through the spray. Yeah, of course. And I guess all he did was pee it off. With the spray, where it could still fight and bite, and it still left and was able to come back again, having been sprayed.
0: Now I'm curious: Is he going to continue with these uh, excursions? Did he say?
1: Uh, uh, No, he did. The interview ended uh, before he got into any of that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I was just like, is he one of these? Like, yeah, but even though I've like almost like saw my life flash before my eyes i'm still planning to go keep doing I'll this look, and
1: you, do know. Like, or, you know all right and yet marlene you've seen all the shows uh, as have i of these people stomping around the woods with yes. infrared uh, binoculars and looking around no armament you know looking for bigfoot you know and i'm like man you guys are out of your mind
0: well exactly i see yeah. that a lot and it's like yeah and I, t- I tell everybody back in the 80s me and my husband we had just had our daughter <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you do when you're young and foolish but anyway we decided we go to we're gonna go to Yellowstone we do a you know road trip with my six our six-month-old daughter we're gonna go up to Yellowstone this was when Yellowstone of course is before the fire and, and everything and I had read I told him hey we're not gonna camp out because I hear too many stories about people that with the tent so we rented a cabin but anyway Before we go in there, it was June, but they still had snow down. They had just opened a park. And we stop at this little store, like a little trading post, and we're talking to this lady. And we bring up the subject about bears. And she says, well, you know what? There's not supposed to be bears. And they try to fly them out. They try not to have bears around where the people are. But she says every once in a while, you know, they, they keep wild animals so we come in and we my husband had our daughter on his back like a carrier back then and i remember we're going through the woods and we're making our way there's a big lookout tower you know and there's a trail that leads to this lookout tower and we're walking and all of a sudden i'm walking in front of him and i see i see like a reddish fur kind of Uh like waving in the wind kind of like you know like when an animal scratching itself yep and i remember i stopped i just stopped and he like bumped in behind me and i said look in front of us there was a grizzly it was like holy God.
2: yeah yeah you know
0: the, the 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 thing about they're not supposed to be around Yeah, that's and within an hour i was getting there it's right smack in the middle of the the this park which is already teeming with people because it opens up, you know, there's a lot of the park that's not open in the winter. Right, right. And we run across for, like, an hour into yeah, there, well, that I told them back up. It was we huge. Don't,
1: we, we like to think we're in control of everything, but we are in control of very little.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And uh, the notion that uh, you don't have to be afraid, <laughs> uh, everything's okay, uh, this is just poppycock because, you know, you were given your instincts. You know, look, before human beings had access to weapons, and I'm talking guns, right. uh, we were as much prey as other animals were prey yes. to predators. Whether they were wolves, uh, giant beasts, uh, bears, uh uh, tigers, lions, crocodiles, uh, we were prey to animals. And there are areas in the world today, as we all know, mm-hmm. where we are still prey. Yes. And this guy with this long gun was prey. Yeah. So they don't care and they don't understand that they're going to be shot. They're relying strictly on a an instinct uh, given to them uh, by the creator to attack.
2: All right, for whatever uh, reason, under
1: whatever circumstances they deem that to be necessary, they yeah. will attack.
0: Yes, yes, and it's so, like they don't care that you're the human, and you know that we think we're at the top of the food chain or whatever. Yeah, and, and, no. and let me let me ask you something, Bill. Do you think? And and I'm gonna move a little, you know throw something out of left field you know all these disappearances that you know they talk about now in all these parks or in the wilderness it doesn't even necessarily have to be a park do you i mean obviously some people they purposely disappear i know that um and others are just they they get lost and they or they fall into some place where they can't get out of but do you think there's any connection sometimes between these really weird disappearances and Bigfoot, or taking there's
1: no point? doubt about it, to me. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it, and and you know when we talk about people who want to disappear, right. uh, They just want to fall off the map. Yes. Uh, and then we talk about other people that bite off more than they can chew, going solo somewhere, and they die and they're never found again. Mm-hmm. But then, how about a party of five? walking down the trail everybody's whistling dixie and then all of a sudden they turn around and say hey where's bill exactly and bill is gone and a search party ensues doesn't find any remnants of bill clothing a shoe his hat never to be seen again now if you were the victim of a a cougar attack Highly doubtful Screaming, that there would be blood, no sound.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but even if there was, and the thing bit you by your throat and nobody heard you, heard you uh, this thing is not going to drag you for miles. Of course. So if a search party covers three square miles, four square miles, ten square miles, twenty square miles, air and ground, and they don't find you, where the hell would you go? Unless something large enough to just grab you, bust your neck, and take you on the shoulder like a a grocery bag, uh, and get out of Dodge so fast that nobody has time to even think about it, uh, what else could take you away?
0: Without anybody hearing anything. Like you said, within seconds. You know, the, the, I, that, mean, uh, I, have, said, I mean, uh, turns around and we where, have, uh, where did you go? You know, that the, you're there just a moment ago.
1: Yeah. And I have accounts in my books of, uh, skeletons that are found, uh, limbs torn off, uh, clothing put on backwards. Yes. Like clothing was removed and then put back on, figure that one out. Right. But who, who the heck puts a shirt back on the person they took it off of and doesn't know that the buttons go down the front? Exactly. Or puts boots back on feet. Now, I don't even know what that's all about, but puts boots back on the feet on the wrong foot.
0: Right, or they're found over in terrain that's been searched before a bunch of times. And now they're there. And now they're there.
1: I mean, just like, you know, what the heck? I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's all speculation, but it's certainly uh, uh, a mind blower at the very least as to what occurred uh, with that individual. I mean, there's no, yeah, what? They did what? They found what? And you just shake your head.
0: Exactly that. It, it's very, and again, when you rule out, you know, all the different. Uh, reasons or variables and you extrapolates there's still too many and other unusual circumstances for them to fall into the either voluntarily losing themselves or just lost uh or like you said you're with a group of people uh, this is now if, if Ma- that was your idea why would you wait to be with a group of people before you disappeared
1: that's correct now also marlene uh you haven't asked me but i'm going to throw this at you a lot of people ask me, is there a paranormal or uh, otherworldly aspect to the Bigfoot? Okay. And my opinion is yes. Okay. And what I believe is there are two things going on here. We have a true-to-life Bigfoot creature, flesh and blood. Then I believe there is a mimicking going on, and when we get to the story I have for you tonight, I have deliberately picked one that is so freaking far out, uh, you're not going to believe it. But I've heard tale of swirling myths, portals being opened, UFOs hovering over Bigfoot and drawing them up. Uh, high strangeness uh, to the unpeaceed degree that just will not, does not register with the human being. And yet these are the stories that are told. So what if there is, I believe there's a demonic aspect uh, to some Bigfoot sightings, and then I believe there is, uh, and, and when I say demonic, I believe the creature is being mimicked.
0: Could be, sure. In
1: I'm a sorry. way that it comes and goes, in ways that we're not familiar with. Right. You'll see uh, infrared pictures. Did you happen to catch the series of shows, uh, Expedition Bigfoot?
0: I probably have, to be honest with you. I've seen so many of them that sometimes I lose track of. I'm I'm, I'm Almost a hundred percent sure. If I didn't catch all them, I probably did see it. Which,
1: okay, that who, was who, a seri- that, who were the
0: people involved. That's normally how I remember them. Who were the people?
1: That yeah, involved? it was a series that was on this past year. Uh, they did about—I uh, don't know—I want to say six Is this or seven the one shows. Where
0: the they had this lady, a scientist. She was blonde, and she had done work with um, gorillas. With gorillas, yes, I saw that one. Yes, I saw. Yes. That one. Okay, so.
1: During that series of shows, uh, twice they caught what they believe was a Bigfoot or something mm-hmm. on infrared. Okay. And in both circumstances, the creature was lit up red hot, right. uh, as opposed to everything around it. And then it looked like it passed behind a vertical straight line, almost like a concrete wall and disappeared. So it didn't run away where you were gradually seeing it flashing in and out behind the leaves. Or right. It simply was, and then walked through this line, and was gone.
2: Wow.
1: Now look, if you or I film each other with infrared going through the woods behind my house, I'm going to see you passing in and out. In one way, shape, or form, I'm going to pick up a little bit of your body heat here or there. You're not just going to vanish in the trees.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, when you get deep enough into the woods, you'll disappear, but it's not going to happen instantaneously.
0: Right, like if you're going through a doorway, and all of a sudden you...
1: Correct. Yes. Correct. Passing behind the veil, I call it. Right, and, and I it's have like a... heard of that.
0: Where there's an uptick, sometimes in UFO sightings that coincide with an uptick of cryptid or Sasquatch sightings, you know people start comparing uh, notes, Um,
1: and it's it's very creepy.
0: And and Uh. I think, and like you said, are are we talking the same creature? Are we talking a mimic? Are we talking, uh, or is it that there's a rip? And uh, maybe these things come through those through those rips.
1: Well, look, uh, you know Skinwalker Ranch, right? Yes, of course. So many years ago, uh, George Knapp uh, had been covering Skinwalker, and I heard him. Uh, uh, he was the first man I was listening to who turned me on to Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've heard any of that, there was a time when they had all of these cameras set up around the ranch. Uh, they still do, by the way. Right. And at one point in time, on one of the cameras showed up what appeared to be a tube, uh, a, a tube or a hole off the ground in which they saw some type of creature climbing through it. And the creature emerged out of this ethereal tube, jumped out, and ran away.
0: Now, some of the things they've described, you know, even the family that lived there, it's like, wow.
1: Yeah, now, there is no doubt. And uh, let me tell you something, uh, and this can relate to Bigfoot as well. Uh, There are things of which we have no knowledge. There are things out there that we will never know. Uh, No matter how much we study it, all we are left to do is look at it in awe and say, what the heck was that? Yes. It just, I don't care who the scientist is, how smart they think they are. uh, Your brain uh, doesn't have what it takes to tell me or anybody else what just happened. It's just not there for us. It's not for us to know.
0: Did you see the special that they just released uh, with the current owner of the Skinwalker Ranch? And yeah, the that, that new... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you know, because for a while, they shut everybody out. You know, that they weren't allowing anybody near their place and they had really heavy security. And supposedly, the idea was that they wanted to, like, let things settle down, just if they could have more phenomena come back in. And I recently saw that one, and he, this guy was bringing in, like, uh, physicists, you know, scientists. And everybody back then was already having experiences of some type or witnessing things that they couldn't explain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was
1: just, it was virtually immediate that things started to happen to them.
0: Yeah, yes. And, and I myself, and... I looked up, uh, you know, the high school teacher that back in the 50s, he was having UFO sightings over the ranch Uh uh-huh i did look up and i find those articles where it did come out i want to say the 50s and 60s Uh, i can't remember his last name It begins with an h i think and and it was a local paper and he was talking about how he you know that they had seen like ufos over the ranch this was way of course decades before any of the notoriety of the skinwalker ranch he was just noting it as a science teacher he was a high school teacher and i did find those articles so, apparently, it's been a long time that that area, for some reason, something, there's something there.
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, uh, before the age where everything is instantaneous, and now, by the way, uh, people don't believe it because of the instantaneous nature of the news. Yes. But, but back then, it gets back to what we were talking about of having a cup of tea on the porch and kicking it around. Uh, you know, if somebody was a friend of yours and they were telling you something and you knew them to be a straightforward, honest person uh, in the days when that actually meant something to people, yes, uh, if they told you a story, you were like, wow. You know, you didn't say you're an idiot and then pick up the telephone or send an email to somebody. You can't believe what Marlene just told me. Right, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yes,
0: exactly.
1: You know, the story I was talking about on tonight's podcast, this long walk, this happened in 1941. There you go. Uh, You know, uh, there are Bigfoot accounts that we kick around that are over 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, some of them came out of little town rag newspapers. Uh, And they were they were uh, they were supported by towns around them, you know, three or four other little rag newspapers
0: right and the idea back then wasn't what it is now you know like oh sensationalism that you think okay back then they were reporting it and sometimes it didn't even make the papers outside of the area especially if it originated in some small town and unless you happen to come happen to come across this article by sheer chance you know going through archives right you'd be surprised what you do come across as far as some of the things that people describe that happened to them
1: well, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, back then, uh, uh, men would put a posse together in a, a small town. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Marlene said that she was attacked by something, she didn't know what it was, but described a Bigfoot, those good old boys would get together with the pickup trucks and the shotguns and go find that sucker.
0: Sure, of course. And nobody would be you like, know, oh, you're crazy. So He's like, oh, it's... yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, was, there, so, uh, was, there was this belief that something like that could exist or did exist. Um, well,
1: let's put it this way. There wasn't a cocky arrogance uh, that it couldn't be. Exactly. Because if you or I were known to be an upstanding, credible Christian woman or man, mm-hmm. and uh, we had no reason to doubt what you were saying, uh, then we need to look for this thing before it kills somebody. Right, exactly. And that was the mindset, you know. Yes. Uh, In the same way as if uh, a a, a rogue bear was reported around the town,
0: sure.
1: Uh, We got to find it because that thing will maul somebody or kill somebody.
0: Yes, right. And 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 and, and people don't realize that back then, um, you know, people cared about especially in communities, like you said everybody cared it wasn't just all about like what happens to me everybody cared about what happens to us (laughs) as Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. you know somebody else could get hurt and you know like it it was a different type of responsibility people had towards each other of course depending you know what area we're talking about but absolutely and like you said and there was this belief unless you unless you were the town drunk you know and it's like yeah okay go sleep it off um you know people believed you People actually
1: yeah. believed you. Um, uh, unless you gave them a reason not to yeah. believe you, for right now, what you say is true. Yes. yes. And that's the way it was looked at, and that's the way things were weighed out. Now, if you were found to be a liar, uh, you know, okay, that that just changed everything, and everybody would know that as well.
0: For years,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it just it wouldn't be something you'd drop. You'd have to leave the town or go somewhere else. You know, exactly.
0: Now let me ask something. Mm-hmm. Bill. What about that story that you? I, 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 I want to hear that, that story that you said. Well, um, that there was a paranormal aspect to it. it which, by the way, um, I, and 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 I don't want to paint the Sasquatch in a in a negative light, but right. I do find what. The theory that you talked about—that there is to more than one aspect of just something—that's part of nature. That there might be another angle to it, or what's seen.
1: Well, let me let me say something, Marlene. That, and you can take this or leave it. I believe this wholeheartedly. Uh, it's just part of my faith as a, a practicing Catholic Christian for a long, long time. And I mean, I'm into it tooth and nail I mean I can argue the point with anybody uh but the scripture says clearly that we should be careful when we entertain strangers Mm -hmm. because we don't know if and when we are actually entertaining an angel yes so angels can take physical form yes they can also uh be invisible to the eye and yet exert force around you. Mm -hmm. Vis-a-vis the person about to step in front of a bus that doesn't see it, and a hand grabs him by the jacket and yanks him back and drops him on the sidewalk. Right. What was that? Yes. And the person's now laying on the sidewalk as the bus screams by, blasting the horn, saying to themselves, Nobody's going to believe me. Something just grabbed me by the nape of my neck, yanked my 200-pound carcass out from in front of that bus, and I'm alive to tell about it. Yes. So this is the thing. You know, the stories of the hitchhiker picked up that gives a warning. They look a little odd. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody recalls that, you know, he's a little strange, this guy. Next thing they know, they're talking. They turn their head at 50 miles an hour, and the guy's not in the seat anymore. Right. You know, we know the biblical stories back in uh, Genesis, where Abraham was in his tent, and the three men came across the desert. They sat down and ate with him. And then they told him, we're going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that that whole thing. So not only did they have form, they could walk around, they could eat, they could get in your car, you know. So, why not?
0: Yes, I th- and, and and I think that there's like an in between place. Um, that is that 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 in between place has things of tremendous evil and tremendous good. Okay? There's no doubt. And outside of our dimension that we exist in, it's like what and they and for people. Even people that do the, uh, the remote viewing, they'll call it the middle plane, okay? And what exists there in that middle plane is you, you can come across both things, all right? Uh, interdimensional or inter-dimensional, interdimensional beings, some of them good or some of them evil. Evil sometimes meaning they have no moral compass as we understand it, all right? And um, they're
1: willing. They're willing to destroy. They're willing to yes, hurt. Yes. yes they're yes. willing to put fear on you.
0: Oh, absolutely, corruption.
1: Uh, and and many times they just outright look evil. Yes. As we know, evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, yes. today, of course, we have the, the capability in the movies uh, to show things that really are horrific. Yes. But I believe that uh, in the demonic realm. Mm-hmm. uh Uh, Many of the things we look at that are evil probably can't uh, cut it with actually how bad they are. Right. So I think people have an idea within themselves of what something really horrific looks like. And uh, then they put it to film. But I think that, uh, like with my new books, The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. they're fictional accounts based on the reality of what actually happens to people. Now, whether people believe that or not uh, is not for me to prove to you. Mm -hmm. But, for instance, the Catholic Church, since its inception, has been called upon to do exorcisms of those deemed demonically possessed. And the Church also has a right of exorcism. They are prescribed prayers, uh, uh, voluminous in nature, uh, that are said in certain ways, sprinkling of the holy water, lighting of candles, uh, to coerce the demons to come out of an individual. If you go back all the way into the New Testament, there were the story of the seven sons of Siva. They saw the apostles casting demons out of people. And when they saw it, they were impressed. So they went to cast a demon out of somebody. And the demon came out of the man, and he said, Paul I know, and Peter I know, but who are you? So these guys didn't have the authority to deal with the demon, and the demon jumped them. And the account says that they left naked and beaten. Seven seven men, right? Uh, naked naked and beaten by one demon.
0: Well, um, you know that uh, Father Amorath, who passed away in two thousand and sixteen, which was the main exorcist for the Vatican. Yes. Um, you know that they were. I, you know, I read in an article that they were looking at you know some of these newly minted priests coming out of seminary and they were very eager to do uh you know go off and do except become exorcists they were trying to tap some of them to in right. other words become full you know full-time exorcist like father amrath and they were like no <laughs> and i think people don't realize that something along those lines there's also a, 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 a psychological um, pressure that you're under besides a spiritual one? All
1: right. Well, it's spiritual warfare. Yes. Spiritual warfare in high places. And, you know, the apostles came to Jesus and they said, you know, we went to do what you do. And they wouldn't listen to us. And Jesus said to them, these things only come out by prayer and fasting. So he was giving him some preliminary f- instructions right. that what you see me do isn't necessarily what you're going to do mm-hmm. unless you are willing to do the things that I do to be able to do them. Exactly. In other words, no amateurs allowed. Yes. This, and- you have to be stronger than what you are fighting oh, absolutely. to prevail. Absolutely. Spiritual fighting is, is no different than earthly fighting. If you were to prevail and win and champion over the demonic, you have to be prepared uh, spiritually and psychologically yes. to overcome them in their own field of battle.
2: Yes. It, yes. It,
1: it's like a freaking gruesome gladiator fight with, uh, without swords. You know, you just, you need to really know, because otherwise, they're going to jump on you. Oh,
0: yeah. And, and, um, and I think we all, as human beings, have this, uh, I don't want to call it well an instinct or knowing within us when we're in the presence of something like this.
1: Well, you know, the presence of evil... We we are inundated today with distractions. Yes, but I uh, I had studied Oriental medicine. I'm a therapist, um, and now I'm a technician in the hospital. Uh, and I would say to people many times through my life, the next time you're sitting at a traffic light. And you realize you're turning your head to look at the person next to you. We've all had this happen to us. Mm -hmm. You simply flip your head like, why did I just flip my head? You don't even think about it. But only to realize that the person next to you is looking at you. Mm -hmm. Their energy has pierced your energy and brought about a response, which is you turning. Yes. That is just a minuscule example of sensitivity. Today, people are so inundated with noise, electronic devices, distractions, in particular an area like mine, Mm -hmm. that they are so far removed from that. They can't even entertain, when you talk about it, the fact that something like that actually exists. They'll roll their eyes. Like, you know, come on man, I'm busy. I gotta get back on Hulu. (laughs) You know, I hate My my Netflix is waiting for me. You know,
0: multitasking, sorry, you know.
1: Yeah. How about Uh, sitting still and staring into the night sky for a couple of hours? That's
0: a tall order for a lot of people, you
1: know. That's right. A real tall order. That's right. How about sitting down and shutting up for a while and watching and waiting for the hummingbirds to get some nectar can you do that but a lot of people can't
0: they can't they can't they cannot they they might even say they can until they try to do that but they can't the city still part is almost beyond them they start to fidget and yeah it and it's it's a sad thing where people um were, were so caught up that you almost feel guilty when you're not Trying to figure out what you're gonna be doing five minutes, five hours tomorrow, five days. It's like okay, and and then people wonder why they're so stressed out.
1: Yeah, no. But, I yes. mean, look, I just I just uh, bought a night fishing permit mm-hmm. uh, because the fishing grounds that I like to go to uh, is like a parking lot now because of COVID.
0: Oh, I bet people.
1: Are uh, just I usually there. go during the week when nobody's around in my little boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have places I like to drift for uh, striped bass. Uh, The past couple of times I went out there, and the last time I said to my partner, I'm not coming back until this COVID is over. (laughs) Because people have nothing to do, and everybody and their brother is out on their boat because they're not working. And even during the weekday, it's like a busy weekend. Yes. So I bought a night fishing permit. And the night fishing permit is for the Atlantic shoreline over by me. Okay. And I can go there after the beach is closed to the public. Uh, I can park in the handicapped spots because nobody's around. Uh And I go down by the beach with the swishing and swashing of the ocean's waves under the blanket of the night sky and the stars. And I could just get lost.
2: That feel the wind.
1: You know, feel the wind, pay attention to the tug of my line. And just go away.
0: Let me tell you something. People don't realize. I'm a fisherman myself or fisherwoman or whatever you want to call it. But you know that sure. like commercial milk does a body good? what you describe does a soul and your mind good as well. And I've been fishing and let me tell you something, as far as because down here I'm very close to the Florida Keys. I I do a lot of saltwater fishing. Absolutely. Um, and let me tell you something, when you're out there, you just forget about everything. Everything.
1: Yeah, and, and you're taking everything else in. Yeah, yes. You notice baitfish in the water. Mm-hmm. You notice little ripples. You know where little eddies are. Yeah. You're taking in the birds jumping around or flying over you. Yes. Uh, you're reconnecting with life, with the planet. And uh, it's something that if you spend every day in the hospital and come home to turn the TV on and go up to Costco and uh, head down to the pizzeria, uh, you know, I mean, I do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I can't be doing that all the time. Of course. Of course. You, you, know.
0: need, uh, yeah, you need that. Let me tell you something, that, that disconnect time, uh, people it's better you know and, and that's the thing sometimes people think i have to go to some far off place like bali so have this you know moment of introspection it's like not really you know you could probably do it because going to the park or doing what you described is just a question of that aloneness that or you know that thing where you and you live the now the moment that's it that's well all if you your, think,
1: if you if you think for a minute Marlene about get to uh, Bali mm-hmm. the rat race of the packing the ticketing the airport the planes the yes. <laughs> that that's hardly worth the event
0: right it's like you know you need a recovery too when you come back from vacation
1: like, yeah you're and if, you're, if you if you like me i don't even like to fly so i'd be in the plane chewing my nails you know
0: yes it does and, 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 I, and I know that yeah we, we're kind of, we we've kind of get sold on the that like, you need to get away, and it's like not really. Sometimes that can be stressful in and of itself.
1: No, that's crazy. But listen, let me uh, let me uh, read this to you and your listeners. Okay. Now this is actually the first account in uh, Bigfoot Terran Wood Sightings and Encounters, Volume Eight, which was the uh, the last book I published, and that's up on uh, Amazon. Okay. And I I entitled this account the Coven. C-O-V-E-N, as in witches. Mm-hmm. And you're going to understand why relatively quickly as I read this to you. And believe it or not, uh, this account uh, is written from here on Long Island in New York. Now, for those of you listeners who have no idea about where I live, uh, Long Island's is probably, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 miles long uh the most end is Montauk Point. And then, of course, we have Suffolk County, Nassau County, and then we get into the boroughs, which basically lead you into Manhattan. Okay. So we have uh, a fair amount of real estate here where there's not a lot uh, going on, but nothing like, uh, you know, when somebody like up in Idaho Uh, talks about going out into the woods. I was interviewing a guy a couple of weeks ago who has 5,000 acres of property.
2: Wow, that's a lot. Uh,
1: I live on 1.1 acres, uh, and around here, my property would be considered tremendous. Uh, There are places on Long Island where you could spit across the driveway into your neighbor's kitchen window. (laughs) So, now, I have to tell you that strange happenings, and in this case the demonic, uh, know no boundaries. Uh, Demons don't care where you are, where you live, if you're alone in a family, in a house, at work. If you start to entertain the dark side of things... They will be more than willing uh, to help you out if you catch my drift. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So this following account was told to me by Ernie McDonald, a resident of Brooklyn, New York. And the story, as bizarre as it is, uh, lends credence, if you will, to my longstanding personal feelings that many Bigfoot sightings are in fact hinged on the demonic. And if you believe this story as I read it to you, then everything which I presupposed even in this conversation tonight uh, is in fact true. Okay. So this is uh, Ernie. In the late 70s and early 80s, I was going through my teenage growing pains and living in my parents' home, which was in Nassau County, Long Island. Now that I've retired as a city cop, a New York City cop he retired as, and live in Brooklyn, the memories of those days in Nassau County and time still linger as they do with everybody. For your readers benefits Bill, and no one else's, there was a period of time when satanic rituals and animal sacrifices were in the news locally in Nassau County. Now I know this to be true because I was living and breathing here when this was going on. There were reports of uh, murders, uh, blood sacrifices, altars being found in some areas of woods and some of the parks, satanic symbols, all of this nonsense. Mm -hmm. If my memory serves me correctly, there was even a case where a couple of teens were busted for allegedly killing a young man in some type of satanic-related way. This incident along with similar stories of sacrifices were making the headlines while I was in junior high school. I had first made the acquaintance of a couple of the people of whom I am about to speak in the eighth grade. We were all in the same grade, but they were a strange group of characters. They were wearing clothes, which nobody else wore, and were well known as being druggies. Befriending these people was a bad move for me. I was already considering some experimentation uh, in drugs on my own. And I knew they were a source for what I was going to need. And so it was that over a period of time, with, of course, Satan luring me in little by little, he's looking back now, realizing what happened, Mm -hmm. that I found myself not only buying drugs from these suppliers, but occasionally hanging out with them. It was during the course of my seeing this group on a more frequent basis, it became known to me that I was an uninvited guest on a number of nights that I was looking to hang out with them. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out why, and this had been going on for a number of months when finally I pinned them down while making a buy one day, asking them what the deal was with always being bumped on the weekends from hanging out with them. It was then that this guy, Jeff, looked over to his chum, Freddy, and said, So what do you think, Fred? Should we invite him? Well, Fred gave the nod, and they told me to meet them on Saturday night at a specific location. They gave me instructions where to park and said that I should walk over to a certain area of woods alone. They told me to wait there and that they would find me. I remember it being a fairly crummy night weather-wise. I had just gotten my license and wasn't supposed to be out driving after a certain time of day, but I didn't care. I drove to the woods, got out of my car, and walked to where I was told to. After I stood there for about 15 minutes, Freddie came walking out of the woods wearing a strange-looking black robe and told me to follow him. I just turn the page here. I was already wondering what the heck I was getting into, but in the interest of appearing cool, I followed him into the woods. We went deep into a thickly forested area to a point where I could see a fire burning and a number of other people standing in a circle, all wearing the same getup that Freddy was wearing. As I entered into the small clearing, everyone kept their heads down. They were all wearing hoods in a way that concealed their faces, and I couldn't tell if they were boys or girls, and nobody greeted me. Freddy told me, told me to stand at a certain spot. He addressed the group that the initiate, being me, had been brought to the circle. There was a fire going in the middle and a small pile of rocks with a cinder block set to one side. They started to mumble some type of mumbo-jumbo, which I don't recall, which led up to one of them removing a cat from a bag and killing it on the cinder block with a knife. There was this whole kind of sacrificial thing going on, which I didn't quite get at the time. At the end of it, they asked me directly if I wanted to be a member of their coven, to which I said, yes. Now, I know it sounds nuts, but that's how it all began. It involved drugs and weirdness, as well as my, deal, uh, as well as my dealers, and so I was all in. Over a period of many months, I came to realize that these kids were steeped in evil practices, calling themselves witches and Satanists. What started out to be something cool was getting more than a little bit overboard for me. It was during October of that year, with Halloween fast approaching, that plans were being made for this big sacrificial meeting which was going to occur at midnight on Halloween and all were required to attend, including me. I had been going to these meetings on at least six occasions, if not more, and had been being exposed to more and more of their practices and literature, which I began to realize was nothing that I had bargained for. The night had arrived and we all met up in the usual way in the same area of woods. In similar fashion, by the time I had arrived, being told yet again what time to show up, all of the other participants were already there, which to me spoke of the fact that I still was not completely a part of the group as of yet. To be honest with you, the only reason I hadn't bailed out was the fact that this dude was my sole connection for drugs, and I felt as though if I was to stop, I would most definitely be cut off. It was close to midnight as all were once again gathered around the blazing fire. When one participant stepped closer to the fire, this person, who I now n- knew was a woman and considerably older than myself, dropped her hood while everyone else stood with he- heads bowed in silence. I was peeking out from out from under my own hood as she began to chant some type of strange incantation which was followed by her and the rest of the group verbally calling in some type of demon by by name. On and on they went, chanting and calling upon this demon to appear when a faint figure began to materialize within the fire's flames. Louder and louder they chanted as this thing became more apparent with each uh, passing second. Suddenly, the group became deathly silent. As the woman who was leading the ceremony dropped her hands and her head, appearing almost as if she had fallen asleep on her feet. As I stood there, peering out from under my hood, I gazed upon all the others in the group and this demon in the fire. The entire group was standing on their feet as though they were dead. Their chins were touching their chests, and their shoulders and arms were hanging limp. The demon was standing, or should I say floating, within the fire's flames, completely still. It was a horned Bigfoot, a monstrous, hairy beast, which was impervious to the flames which were licking up and around it, and it had horns protruding from the sides of its head, being a miniature version of those seen on a bison. I thought I would crap in my pants right on the spot, and whatever had come over the rest of this group hadn't come over me. Well, I turned and ran like there was no tomorrow, and no one followed. Let's just say I didn't stop or turn to see if anyone had followed, and that was the end of it for me. In the days which followed, I was in fact cut off, and I didn't care with Jeff telling me that if I said anything, there would be repercussions. Having read your entire collection in the series, Bill, the fact that this demon had appeared in the form of a Bigfoot on that night gave me reason to contact you with a little confirmation of your theory. As I stood there, this thing appeared to be in full bodily form, suspended off the ground within the flames, and yet it was not consumed by them. It didn't move so much as an inch up until the time that I fled the scene. I actually felt that I was in some type of imminent danger had I stuck around any longer. There you have it.
0: Wow. The, let me... I, I'm just going to ask out of curiosity. Did this experience... Is, what, is this what Like, straightened him out? Like, is the, did, did he ever say if this was the turning point for him?
1: Well, he became a city cop.
0: Right, that's what I'm saying. I know at some point he had to get off of it. was this? Because I would think this would be it for me.
1: <laughs> well, you know you know what it is, Marlene. I think that, and I know this to be true for me in many aspects of my life, uh, we all experience uh, things that are turning points for us in a variety of ways. Is that not true? Yeah. And so, you know... Uh, Unfortunately for some people, uh, they don't get the opportunity to turn. They get killed. Yes. They die in the process, right? Yes. Uh, I could use examples, but I don't think it it really matters. Uh, This guy, uh, you know, there was an old TV show, and I don't think I ever saw an episode of it. You remember it was called Scared Straight? Yes. They'd invite people to go into a maximum security prison, yeah, and hang out with the, the people that were in there, and these people would come out like, I don't want nothing to do with that.
0: Right, right. Were, yeah, I remember so, there was like young kids that were like on their way to criminal, you know, they were going to get locked up eventually, so right. this was their last chance before they kind of like uh, became hardcore criminals, in other words.
1: Right, and they made a show out of it, just yeah. to... Yes. To uh, impress on the listeners, or the viewers, and them, uh, if this is the path you're going down, Mm -hmm. then you might as well see where it is you're going to live. Yes. And so this guy, you know, had notions, like a lot of people do, of getting junked up, or, you know, whatever it may be, alcohol, pills, heroin. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had his connection. Uh, and his connection turned out to be uh, a little bit more than just a drug connection, you know?
0: I mean, he's very lucky that they that they just warned him, you know, shut up, don't talk about this, and let him off with that. They, sometimes they can be quite vengeful.
1: Well, yeah, you know, we have the MS-13 gangs here on Long Island, which they've been mm-hmm. cracking down on. Right. And a lot of people have been found in shallow graves at their hands. And uh, some of them had done nothing wrong, but apparently in their demonic gang, to kill somebody is part of the initiation. Yes. Yes. So you have to be willing to take a life to be part of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and what people don't realize that that's, sometimes people commit murder and there's a personal reason, you know, the love, you know, hate, you know, like in other words, there's a personal vendetta sometimes or, but to actually go and kill someone that you have nothing against, you don't know anything about this person, mm-hmm. but you're willing to cold bloodedly kill them, that takes a real, like, that's, 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 that's I, I think that's of all the, you know, when you look at murder overall, you have got to have no moral compass whatsoever inside of you. Like, what, that I would say falls into what's a true psychopath
1: right well the most precious thing is life right
0: yeah yeah that's what and, i'm saying uh, to, uh, to kill somebody for no reason other than as initiation into a gang
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know uh or
1: pl- or pleasure if you, you oh, think yeah. that to be pleasurable you know
0: right right and, and for a lot of them there's uh i hate to say it, people don't realize that some of these psychopaths you know they're especially if they have a violence streak in them or because of their upbringing they take a life they murder people a lot of times when they really don't have to right right you know they, they they go the extra step um and that's why they fit so well into that kind of gang that gang identity or what is yeah. it that they yeah. say rape kill uh i know they have like a motto or something uh or ruler i mean they have like a, a, a that's that's horrific when you listen to it it's like horrific
1: Well, you know, if you look, and I tell people this all the time, uh, because I see it, I see it today in my face. Mm -hmm. If I was to say to you, what is the foundational teaching of the Church of Satan, what would you say?
0: Well, I would say corruption or destruction or even though a lot of them play it off as just being hedonistic, you know, do what you want. Um,
1: you're, you're partially wrong and partially right with what you said. And the last of what you said is where you were right. Here is the fundamental teaching. Mm-hmm. Do what you will right. and let nobody tell you what to do. Right. Simple, right? Yeah. But in its simplicity this is the essence of rebellion which is how satan fell from grace i'm not going to do what you want me to do i'm going to do what i want to do and you're not going to tell me what to do
0: right and And when i
1: look around when i look around today societally what i see a lot of is this now, now, most of these people that I'm speaking of, mm-hmm. in their mind and heart, they have no association with Satan whatsoever. Right. They're not saying I'm a Satanist. They're not standing around a fire with black hoods sacrificing yeah, a like, cat. Yeah,
0: right, that traditional, yeah, what people think of as, yeah, exactly. Right,
1: but in, in and of themselves, being in this light of not doing anything, and you're not going to tell me what to do. And I have my own rule book by which I live life. Yes. No moral compass, no rules, no absolutes. They are, in fact, doing exactly that.
0: Right there, and there is um, uh, there's no. In other words, there's no consideration for anybody else. If that person, if that person is in the way of you doing what you want, that's right. Then you don't think twice about getting rid of them or doing whatever you need to do as long as you get to do what you want.
1: I grew up, I grew up in the 60s. Yeah. And my remembrance of the 60s, and I saw everything going down from day one. Free love, make love, not war, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. And even back then, as involved I was in such things at the time that I'd rather not admit to, and I'm glad I got away from them, uh, I saw things turning in a way that I said, this is not going to end well. Oh. And so I stepped away. And many of my associates didn't. And I don't even know these people anymore. You know, it's funny how you think when you're younger mm-hmm. that all the people you're hanging around with, you're going to see throughout your life.
2: Yeah, boy.
1: And then you get down the road uh, a decade or two or three, and you're like, I don't even know these people anymore. I don't even know where they are. Yes. Uh, and so I look back and say, those times were better than these times. But, you know, the good old days are relative to who you are and how old you are.
0: Oh, well, of course. And, and I think all of us kind of do that, That what is it, that patina that we put on things of the good old days? and we kind of overlook sometimes some of the, you know, we, we look at only the good part and we forget sometimes the bad part, or we kind of like, you know, minimize the bad parts uh, a little bit. But yeah, I want right. to say uh, that th- I think something that definitely w- we lack today, whether you want to blame it on technology or whatever it is, that life was slower. It was slower and I think it was better in that aspect. As far as yeah, and
1: relation, relationships were truer, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes. Responsibility uh, to each other was greater.
0: Yes, yes. People uh, were, and friendships were longer, and people knew each other for a long time. And I don't want to right. say, even people stayed longer living where they lived at. They were, you know, where people would live in their houses very easily 20, 30, 40 years. Right, 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 right. Uh, And and you kind of like, it's like that community and then even the people that you knew. Yeah, you would have friends come and go, but there was consistency to relationships. Right, and you know,
1: it's really in that light that even when I interview uh, many of the people I do over uh, Bigfoot encounters, uh, these people are living different lives than I am where they live, and I know that when I speak to them. You know, when a guy tells me, well, Bill, I'm living on 5,000
2: acres,
1: (laughs) uh, there's no way that you could be living in an area where you can purchase and live on 5,000 acres uh, that I'm even going to assume for 10 seconds that your life there is anything like my life here. Yes. Just by making that opening statement that I have a house on 5,000 acres tells me I'm talking to an individual, aside from being a fellow human being, that has a way different look uh, at life than I do. And so if this person starts telling me that the nearest town is 12 miles away from me, and uh, my neighbor is, you know, uh, three miles east, my nearest neighbor. That was what I was about
0: to say. His closest neighbor is how far away?
1: Yeah, you know, and, and so when they're talking to you about what they do in the woods and what they know about the animal population and then about the howling that occurred and their sighting of the Bigfoot, uh, you know, it takes on an entire different meaning to me. Yeah. Uh, this, this individual knows what it's like to get up to quiet in the morning and uh, to get lost. Uh, And I say this all the time. Uh, Predominantly, people that have encounters are people that are out doing things that you and I generally don't do, which is getting lost in places where there aren't too many people. And that doesn't mean like Other people don't have a sign of a Bigfoot running across a a highway upstate New York or in New Hampshire or something, Uh, or walking on the shoulder of the road in Ohio. Uh, These things happen, but predominantly the people that are coming across unusual things uh, in light of seeing a Bigfoot are seeing them because they're out there in the quiet, stealthily walking around, they're in areas that they know. Some of them know these areas pretty well. And then one day, boom, it happens.
0: Well, it, and it makes you think that, especially when you live, after a while you hear or you become familiar with the sounds of normally of the animals that populate, let's say, that piece of land, let's say, very close to your home. You you know, yeah. After a while you learn... Whether it's coyotes or wolves or whatever is out there, so they know it. They know what this it is. Weird call, you right. Instantly know what? Yeah. In other words, it's not like you're mistaking there was a coyote or a wolf. No, because I know what a coyote or a wolf or uh, you know if you've got a cougars or whatever's out there. I already know what that sounds like, and I know it's not that.
1: That's right. And in the same way, when they see a track, exactly, they know it's not a big bear. They know it's not this, they know it's not that, because they know what these tracks look like. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, there are very credible witnesses out there uh, that, to me, are indisputable. Now, anybody and their brother can dispute them, uh, but to me, to me, they are like, wow, Mm -hmm. that was incredible, and I believe you. Yes. And I don't have to challenge everybody. Everybody's not full of beans. Everybody is not CG in the photograph. You know, it's funny because uh, people were saying, well, where are the pictures? Where are this and that? Well, now we're getting some more pictures, which uh, my brother and I talk about all the time, how we believed it would happen with all the the telephones and the trail cameras and all this stuff. There are all more pictures surfacing. And at the same time with the real ones, there are other people CG in them and trying to get YouTube hits. You know they're just trying to muddy the water and some is true and some is false you know and now everybody's like well how do we know well we don't know Well we don't know
0: And you know what Bill you know because I've been a paranormal investigator since the 1990s and I tell everybody you know that just like like even where there's Bigfoot there's people out there that on purpose are trying to have an encounter but then you have the other people just like in paranormal uh, investigations or paranormal, phenomena they're not necessarily looking to have an encounter but it happens and they don't have a camera or their phone is not out
1: you know in other
0: words the only thing they have is their word
1: that's right
0: to say to describe what happened because in truth they weren't looking to have the experience is sometimes i'm i find those more credible in a way because it just happened to them they just happened to That's be right. in the right place at the right time and they didn't have anything except, like, it happened. It happened and That's I stood right. there. And especially if you're scared out of your wits or you you don't even have the wherewithal sometimes to reach in and get a phone and, you know, put on your video to record it. You're just like, huh? Especially if it's something that happens within a few seconds.
1: Yeah, and, and you gone. know, the, the average person, I would say, wonders well why didn't you take a picture but having not had the experience they don't know what's involved in that you're stunned yes Yes. you're like in a state of uh, a catatonic state where you're just Mm -hmm. like you're trying to weigh out what's going on and then it's over and you're left standing there like you know what just happened right you know i know what just happened but you're asking yourself what just happened like it's 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 out of the realm of reality.
0: Right, because what most people are doing in that moment is their brain is trying... They go through all these these logical... They want to explain it. They want to make it fit the reality they know.
1: Right, and it's like it, a subconscious checklist that you're going through.
0: Exactly. And then you come up like... And then, of course, the moment comes and goes. It's like what happens maybe when people have sightings of, of anything. And yep. it's like... and 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 again this is when we come back to what we were originally talking about people that sometimes keep these stories for themselves for years and years and they never tell anybody about it because they themselves would think if i heard this story coming from somebody else i'd be like sure
1: (laughs) yeah it's just incredible
0: but anyway, Bill, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with uh, with me and my audience It has been absolutely wonderful. It's fascinating. And again, for my podcast listeners, if you want to give out your website address where they could uh, find you uh, more information about your podcast and your books, what, what is your website address?
1: Well, uh, the website is com. And you can contact us there and look up old episodes if you want. And then the podcast is Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, available like everywhere. And, of course, you'll see my name, W.J. Sheehan. And then uh, all of the paperbacks and e-books are on Amazon. Uh, again, the same name, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. Uh, W.J. Sheehan, uh, Volumes 1 through 8 are on uh at Amazon, mm-hmm. and then at Audible, I have six of the Bigfoot books, one through six, recorded in audiobook. book, uh, I'm still hoping that the studio will open up again, and I'll get to record some more, okay. uh, and then I have the three new Exorcist books, and they're called The Exorcist uh, Truth and Lies, The Exorcist Diabolica. And The Exorcist Full Moon, all by W.J. Sheehan. And they're available uh, also at Amazon and Paperback. And one of them, Diabolica, is actually recorded on uh, Audible. On
0: Audible. Perfect. And I will have so. uh, a link to uh, in the credit to the show uh, as far as the website. Again, Bill, it has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for spending this time. You are just you, your stories are fascinating, they're riveting, as a matter of fact.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Marlene, and, uh, you know, we're one big circular family uh, today in this world of uh, podcasting and interviewing and, uh, you know, audiences overlap. And I had a guy uh, today uh, that sent me an email, and he heard about me on a a small podcast I did probably a month ago with this Mm -hmm. woman named Emily called The Forest Floor. Okay. Very nice woman. She actually lives here in Long Island, which I was shocked. And uh, he said, Hey, Bill, I heard about you on The Forest Floor, and uh, I'm following your podcast now. Great. You know, love to hear all this blah, blah, blah. But so, it's all circular. You don't... You know, the audiences are just people of the world you know and they're all flowing from here to there and you know back and forth like the waves on the ocean you know
0: but you know what Bill? ultimately all human beings i think from the beginning of time what we all enjoy is a good story everybody i think that that that's something i think from childhood on we want to hear and, and then i'm not talking whether it's fiction or non-fiction the story you know mm-hmm. the retelling of something um, well you know when my brother got involved
1: with when my brother got involved with me Marlene I had to tell him I said kev you know there are stories that people want to hear again and again mm-hmm. uh, just like uh, the Christmas carol, yes or uh, the night before Christmas I, I'm just using Christmas because those are stories we all remember mm-hmm. but there are Bigfoot stories that I said to him I'm going to tell these stories periodically even though I have hundreds of of accounts to share you never know when somebody's the first person in your audience yes you know they've never heard anything they don't even know what Bigfoot is
0: exactly despite what other people think who doesn't know about Bigfoot
1: absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know when I look at my audience uh on the podcast uh I get feedback global feedback as to how many people download in what countries right and uh first of all uh, the length and breadth of the amount of countries where people are downloading is ridiculous. Yes. And I say to myself, like, let's just say I see uh, downloads in Taiwan. What the heck do people in Taiwan know about Bigfoot?
0: But you, you know what? It's, it's, the, it's the story. It's the city yeah. story. Exactly. Yep. exactly.
1: So people love... The story, they love the, uh, the scare, if there is a scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Uh, I was being interviewed one night on Coast to Coast Radio. And George Norrie says to me, So William, where's the terror? <laughs> where's the terror in Terror in the Woods? And I say to people all the time, Terror? if you're standing in front of an eight or nine foot tall monster that weighs a thousand pounds that doesn't frighten you uh, yeah uh, Th- that's uh, not terrifying if that's not terrifying i can't help you
0: no exactly and, and what and you know what people i'm, I'm <laughs> going to i want to say this real quick bill you remember when i said that trip that i went out to uh to yellowstone back in the 80s Right. This was the first time I was exposed to like buffalo and bison. These things are huge. They're huge. You see them on the television, you know, and all these nature shows. And until you're physically there, the the scope, how big some of these animals are. Right. You know, and and that's what I'm saying. You know, you, you hear these stories about Bigfoot or you see the TV show. But if you actually, if there was a way that if some you could actually be in the presence, the reality, not television, yeah. of seeing something that measures eight, nine, ten feet tall, yeah, looking at you in the wood. Oh, come on, <laughs> let's Yeah,
1: come on, you yeah. <laughs> know. You know, if you've ever stood near a Clydesdale horse, they're huge. It's just like you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, you've yeah. just got to be kidding me. It's it, it's immense. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on that. Marlene, it's been a pleasure. Yes, Uh, thanks. I'm going to suit up now and go pick up my wife at the hospital.
0: Okay. All right. But, again, thank you so much, Bill.
1: My pleasure. If you ever want to do it again, just knock on my door.
0: You got it. Thank you, darling. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, bye now.
0: Wow. I could talk to him a lot more. There was a lot because we talked before we started to record about you know different areas I, I wanted to go into those books that the the exorcist books but it was like okay i'm gonna leave that for part two of when i bring him back uh because um, that's 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 a whole different show in other words even though it kind of overlaps and it's true you know it, so many theories about uh, bigfoot or sasquatch you know you have the people that think that they're strictly um, whether you want to call them animals, humans, or something in between, a species or some type of primate, whatever. But that, that, that they look at them strictly as natural. There's nothing. Then, you know, I've also heard the theories, by the way, of really good sources that have told me, look, we've noticed, um, when you know, when people track them, that around the same time that we see a spike in people seeing bigfoot or cryptids other cryptids we also see a rise in numbers of ufo sightings and these people will say i don't know if the two are together or why one and the other why they dovetail in other words they don't understand that they've just found that when you track that type of information after a while you say wow every time people report these sightings we've seen and by the way sometimes these communities don't overlap you have people that are strictly in the bigfoot camp and there's people that are strictly ufo ufologists and there's no connection they're 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 working in their own fields or they're reporting encounters or sightings totally independent one of the other and then there's <clears throat> there's somebody in between it that that uh, either has a blog or for some reason is collecting stories of unusual events and they're the ones that after a while have found wow every time that there is um, significant uptick you know and, uh, and I, I've said it before, I, uh, I remember I went one time to a meeting for this group that we had here in Miami that people, it's, the, it's a UFO. And um, afterwards, you know, like, you know, after the meeting, because we had a presentation and then everybody, of course, keeps on talking amongst themselves. I had several people come to me and tell me that after they had had UFO sightings they had had started having paranormal events take place from typical some of them describe encounters with or sightings of UFO of extraterrestrials. Others, it wasn't so much uh, abduction scenarios or seeing, but they had the equivalent of... how can I say it? i don't want to say um ghosts per se but they would have like strange noises going on uh just stuff that you peep you, you normally equate with the paranormal or the supernatural but everything started when they sighted a ufo and they themselves somehow can't make the connection like what does the ufo have to do with me all of a sudden having these experiences inside my home that sound that they're scary because you think of as in paranormal or ghostly or haunted like to them it's like how do these two things but i can't overlook the fact that i had i saw this and now it's manifesting inside my home and some people um even some people you know like what they call like traditional like poltergeist activities where you don't see it but you'll have strange knockings things going on that start up coincidentally after people or some in some cases i've also heard uh, this starting up after people have seen an extraterrestrial by their home or looking into a window at them or actually visiting them And then after that, they start having these experiences in their houses, you know, where they live at. And again, how can I say it? They, you know how people say, okay, well, you experience what you have a preconceived idea of. Most of these people, they're still trying to get their head around actually being, having seen an extraterrestrial but they never in their mind would make a connection between I saw an extraterrestrial and I have poltergeist activity in my house now. It's like those two things are totally separate, but it's still happening for them. So it's not like, oh, I'm having poltergeist activity because I know I expected this to come as part of a UFO or an extraterrestrial encounter. They can, they themselves can't figure out what is what they have to do with the other, but they can't deny that they have and and by the way some of them described some of them described where it was only for x amount of time maybe a few weeks or months and others described years where they would have encounters and or activity in their home what would die down and then it would pick up but it was ongoing for years so again you know co- circling back to what we were talking about with uh, bill as far as is there and you know for the people that want to say is there a, a connection between bigfoots or is are they both right is there are there book fit bigfoot which are totally natural part of nature you know flesh and bone there's nothing paranormal about them if that's what you want to call it and then there are some of them where they're mimicked or where their origins are from something that's coming in from another dimension that is I mean the possibilities are endless um, Mm -hmm. as far as what their origins are are they natural are they not natural do they can they come and go at their will maybe through rips into another dimension or not or and again you know sometimes despite what people think there's a lot of let's say the United States god there's so much land out there that that something like this or could hide in all right despite what we think of that we're everywhere no human beings are not everywhere um so it's it's it begs the question, and I was very serious when I asked them that about our Bigfoot, are Bigfoot, are they friendly to us or not? And I kind of, I like this explanation because I'm sorry, despite me wanting to think that they're all going to be friendly towards us, I think the best we're going to get out of them is that they want to maybe stay away from us, but I really don't think they're that friendly towards us all the time. Uh, At best, they stay out of our way or observe us, or at worst, then they might be capable of killing a human being. Okay. Uh, Whether the killing is motivated by defending territory, defending young, or, God, They want to eat us. I know that some people are going, "Uh, why not? Uh, Do we make a part of their diet? Do they see us the same as any other? Or, uh, again, a lot of predators, if they are sick or hurt or infirm and they cannot bring down their normal prey, they will take prey that they normally wouldn't just because, hey, I'd rather do this versus starve um so i could see that happening as well uh, where normally they would stay out of our they don't have, any, have anything to do with us they sometimes are forced to or um, let's say these creatures are used to hunting or food gathering in groups and you get one that by accident or intentionally is kicked out of their group or is lost or something happens and maybe uh the 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 collective group whatever you want to call it that they would use for sustenance for food gathering for even gathering prey is not there anymore so they're kind of on their own okay and whereas maybe we could hunt and kill this type of animal in a group now by myself I'm going to be forced to take the human because I really want meat and I'm starving and I can't keep eating just berries. (laughs) Sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, necessity, hunger, uh, or not. You know, sometimes it's strictly by choice. Or, you know, what most predators do, do which is uh, op- uh, the opportunity arises and it's there. And, you, you know, for us that we live in an existence where when we want something to eat, we can just step into the other room and get something to eat. When you live in the wilderness where maybe part of your everyday existence is survival, and part of that survival has to do with your food intake, because think about it if you're a creature that is what upwards of seven feet weighs hundreds of pounds how much food do you think that you need to sustain a metabolism for a creature that size a lot of food i mean if you ask anybody um zoo where they keep predators you know the heavier the bigger how much money is spent in giving them meat just to sustain them just maintenance same thing applies there's my dogs having a moment Think about it. If You're a huge Bigfoot. How much food do you think that you're going to need just to keep yourself going from day to day? And let, you know what? They must be hearing something, guys. Okay, you guys. They've been so good so far. Yeah, maybe that's my sign to let you guys go. But anyway, guys, I hope you like the show with Bill Sheehan. Uh, just make sure to check out his... His website, like I said, I'll have a link on the, on the credits of the show. Hey, you, be quiet. They got all excited. Little dogs, they don't realize they're little dogs. They're all Doberman Pinchers in their imaginations. But anyway, and of course, I have more of my own books coming out. This uh, last one is supposed to be coming out next month in August called uh, the, the Dead Cast No Shadow, which is a Sybil Novella number 2. Okay, you can find that at MarlenePardo.com or on Amazon as Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I have all my books on there too ebooks, both ebooks and uh, printed. And I do have a free version of a young adult anthology. It's only three stories. You go to Smashwords and you look for it. It's uh, the title of the books I've Come For My Girl and two other Dark Tales, or you can look me up on my name. Uh, And you'll find there. that I have that book for free on Smashwords. If you go to look for it on Amazon, it's going to be 99 cents. But if you go to Smashwords, you can find it there for free. So, again, guys, thank you for being part of my audience. You're all wonderful. I hope you're all doing well. And in 2020, it's really been an interesting uh, year. But in the meantime... I've got a lot of interesting guests coming up, so please make sure to uh, subscribe to the show, make sure you get your notifications, and I will see you next week. Take care.